Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. We believe all women lawyers deserve to be wealthy women lawyers. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm so excited for you to meet our guest today. So let's get started. IPB Gray is the Vice President of Strategy and Business Development for WordRig. Prior to joining the team, she practiced bankruptcy law for 10 years. Ivy was recently recognized as a 2020 Influential Woman in Legal Tech by the International Legal Technology Association. She also has been recognized as a Fast Case 50 honoree and included in Women of Legal Tech list by the ABA Legal Technology Resource Center. So we are so excited to have Ivy here today to talk about work rake and technology for lawyers and to share her experience of transitioning from practicing full-time to working for WordRig. So Ivy, we're so happy to have you here on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited for this conversation. Great, great. So uh, before we get into talking about WordRig, we have a lot of questions about it, but I want uh, our listeners to get to know more about you. And I particularly love uh, having you on today because I you you are an attorney who has practiced uh, bankruptcy law for ten years before transitioning um, into this new industry. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and about kind of your journey to becoming an attorney um, and what led you to bankruptcy law and then ultimately to move on to a different path. So I took a long and winding path to law. And it seems a little disjointed if you look at it as I go, but looking back, you will see that there is one big overarching theme. Mm -hmm. And that theme is that I am passionate about creative problem solving. I love the challenge of working within restrictions and creating a solution that makes my clients happy. Mm -hmm. And and I I know that sounds weird and, and it's easy to think, well, how did you get to law from that? But that was my my guiding light that brought me there. So I started off at, in IT and then journalism, and then I was in public relations and advertising, and I specialized in damage control. And I did that for about a decade before going to law school. Uh-huh. And I was unhappy in my advertising and PR life. And people kept asking me, well, why haven't you quit yet? What is it that you actually like about this job? And that's what made me think and realize that it was the aspect of creative problem solving and project-based work, where you dive into something, you do it intensely, and then you move on to the next thing. And you have a very happy client at the end, one would hope. And it turns out that that's a lot of what lawyers do, even though that's not what lawyers think about as right. their as their main uh, as their main job. So, so I decided to consider law, but at that point in time, I had never met a lawyer. I had never been in a courtroom. I I didn't really know what lawyers did. So I found a way to get myself into a law firm. 
Uh, and this was right before the new bankruptcy law was passed in 2005. So oh, wow. everybody and their mother was filing for bankruptcy uh, before, before the laws changed. And there was this one firm that was just hiring as fast as they could for bankruptcy paralegals and assistants to, to, to really manage that, that backlog and the onla- onslaught of cases. And that's how I got into the bankruptcy world. Uh, and then I, I did that for about four or five months before law school, and I fell in love. That was how I determined that being a bankruptcy lawyer was what I wanted to be. Right. And and I was just, it was so interesting. It was so creative. There were so many ways to do things, and they were real people with stories. So it was exciting, and to me, it was a clear way to use the skills that I had. So, so I went to law school knowing that I wanted to be a bankruptcy lawyer, which is kind of an odd thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, but during law school, everyone told me, the economy is so good, you'll never get to do this. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, and we laugh now, caustically. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so I said, okay, well, I'll be a tax lawyer then that that's, that's what I'll do. Um, I, I like anything with its own code book. Uh, I, I like to know where the rules are and then I like to figure out how to work within those rules to, Mm -hmm. to achieve goals. I don't want to just be creative for creative sake. Right. Uh, and, and that was the plan. And then I graduated in 2008 and the economy crashed. And while it was horrible for other people who graduated in 2008, it was, my time to shine. And I definitely recognize that there's some luck involved in that. Being the person who wanted to be a bankruptcy lawyer, who actually studied bankruptcy law and took all of the UCC courses, and being there at the right time in the right place does make a difference. But there's still more that you can do to, to harness that. Right. Right. And so a couple of things come up for me. One is that... Um, you and I have a lot in common because my first career was in marketing and working for agency. I'm a journalism major. And so I, I, I did marketing and PR as well before I became an attorney. So I find that interesting. Um, and <clears throat> what I love about your story, uh, I guess, because I relate to it is the evolution of your career. I think a lot of times people think, you know, lawyers are people who wanted to be a lawyer from the time they were a child and they wanted to be like Matlock and then, and then they grow up and they just follow that path. And I also think that lawyers kind of think once I become a lawyer, I have to stay practicing law in the traditional sort of sense. And they, they limit themselves to another evolution to their career. And so I'm really eager to hear about how you train. I mean, You've really been honored and uh, and you're one of the influential women in legal tech. And so it's really interesting to me. How did you make that transition then from being a bankruptcy lawyer? I assume you really loved doing bankruptcy and you did that well and you were successful. What made you decide then to transition again and move into a different direction? So. Uh, that was also happenstance. Uh, I've had a lot of random luck, uh, but you need to be prepared to act on that luck. Right. So, and and thankfully I was, but uh, I was a successful bankruptcy lawyer. I was uh, working on 
the cases that you read about in the Wall Street Journal. I worked on Dewey LaBeouf, Columbia House, American Airlines, Kodak, all of the things that people who want to be bankruptcy lawyers want to work on. And I was named mm-hmm. a rising star in New York five years, I think five years in a row, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering correctly. I've switched so <laughs> so strongly <laughs> out of that life that I'm just like, hmm, what was that now? Uh, so, so I was definitely successful. I didn't pivot because I was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. I pivoted because I had an opportunity that I was racing toward. And that came from a friendship. Uh, I am an avid swing dancer and I have been for 20 plus years. And my swing dance friend had this great product and he wondered why I hadn't ever used it. And my response was a typical lawyer response. I don't need that. I'm perfect. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Uh, So... He he challenged me. He said, you know, use this product on your bankruptcy LLM dissertation. And if it doesn't find any errors, I will buy you a bottle of your favorite scotch. And if it does find errors, then you must buy me a bottle of my favorite scotch. And I was confident and I took that bet. Turns out I lost, uh, but I could not be a gracious loser Instead, I wrote him a five-page list of things that he needed to change so that it would be a better tool for lawyers. And since he's not a lawyer, he actually took that feedback well. And he said to me, oh, really, why don't you join me and build the product that you are imagining? And that's how I got into legal technology. Uh, But that company wasn't WordRake. That company was Perfected. And what I built was American legal style for Perfected. WordRake and Perfected are two complementary tools. One does proofreading, the other one does editing for lawyers. And my path to WordRake was that the Perfected version of me had always looked up to WordRake and I had been using the product uh, throughout my legal career. And I had hoped that a fabulous company like WordRake would mentor us and help us learn our learn how to succeed in the legal technology market. And eventually they said, yes. And after about a year of mentorship, the tables turned and WordRake said, you know what we really need? We need an Ivy. And at that point in time, it was a a good time to make the switch, allow the product that I built to breathe in the market and and gain traction and uh, and then bring my skills to WordRake, which is where I am today. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That's a fantastic story. So, <clears throat> so much to discuss there. Uh, first of all, swing dancing. Yes. Awesome. 20 years of swing dancing, huh? Uh, more. <laughs> more. Wow. So uh, I, I have to take a little rabbit trail and just ask you, how'd you get into swing dancing? So I, okay. The real story uh, is that I really like geeky guys. <laughs> and I tried all sorts of other hobbies and and uh, and learned all sorts of other things to attempt to meet these geeky guys. And they were just not having it any other way. <laughs> so I asked myself, well, what are they doing uh, that I could go do, too, so that I can put myself in the position to meet the sort of people that I want to meet? And the answer was that they were swing dancing. This is in the heyday with the Gap, Lindy Hop commercials, et cetera. Right, right. Uh, 
So, so they that's were what I would dancing. Do. Oh my gosh, I would never have thought of that. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <clears throat> um, but actually, from that story, uh, I, I think there is a <laughs> there is a point and there is a value that I that I think your listeners could could take from that, uh-huh. and it's to put yourself where the people are. Um, you know, I I wanted to meet a certain type of person, so I. I studied who they were and I studied what they did and I figured out where my place could be in that world so that we'd have something genuinely in common to Uh build from. And while it took nearly 25 years of dancing to meet my long-term partner, uh, I I finally did and I'm incredibly happy. Uh, But that sort of approach also works for developing really strong client relationships and high value client relationships. You need to survey your interests and skills and figure out where those client opportunities are and then put yourself there. and I don't think that enough people do that. Um, right. I think and that's I don't, great advice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also don't think it's disingenuous to bolster something that you were only somewhat interested in before. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. People grow and change over time. Right. Uh, and for me, I became a scotch aficionado because it worked well for clients but it's not that I had no interest before. Uh, I just developed the interest and the knowledge so that I could speak about it uh, and engage clients in a, in a knowledgeable, helpful, fun way. And, and I, I, I would say that anybody who wants to be successful really needs to figure out what they can learn and what communities they need to be in so that they can leverage those communities to build their network and build their book of business. And it's amazing how far those things will go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, you, you bring up a good point, you know, so many, and I think this pandemic uh, actually, if there's an upside has actually helped with some of this because uh, people are having to, think in different ways about how they're going to connect with other people. And a lot of us are doing it around our passions and things that interest us. Whereas before, um, you know, especially in something traditional, like uh, the law industry, you do certain things, you, you know, network with other lawyers, you go to professional lawyer conferences, you, you know, go to the maybe chamber meetings and things. And, and everybody hates that. Everybody hates that. And everybody's like that, you know, I hate going to networking meetings because they feel like such a waste of time. And I'm always telling my clients the exact same thing you are is find that, that connection point of something you're interested in that will also be a place where your clients or your best referrers hang out. So you don't have to go do the things that you, you know, are checking off some box about what you're supposed to do. And I, and wow, the, the situation we're in now is really changing the way people are connecting. With oh, each it other. is so true. Uh, that said, you know, I don't think that those traditional networking things are necessarily bad. You can make them fun. That is totally mm-hmm. within your power. Mm-hmm. And making them fun is part of being fun yourself and having a lot of diverse things to, to talk about. Right. So, you know, if I, you know, you can throw something out there and if people like scotch, then you talk about scotch. If they don't like it, then you move on to the next thing. I talk about swing dancing and jazz music, uh, which my grandparents loved and I grew up with. And I was a major rock music music aficionado into obscure stuff. 
But when people, when you find other people who love that, then you can talk about it and you have this instant, deep, lasting connection. Mm-hmm. And and I played ice hockey. You know, it's all of these random things that you can just keep tossing out in the course of a conversation until you find the thing that clicks. So the more that you do, the more that you're passionate about, the more fun that you can have at these things and the more likely you are to to build a deep connection that will actually lead to business later. Right. And it actually makes you memorable too. That's the other part of it. It makes you memorable yes. because people are like, oh yeah, you're the Scotch drinking swing dancer. <laughs> you exactly. know, like they have some frame of reference besides, oh, here's just another attorney in a blue suit. Right. Right. Um, right. Well, and clients uh, want to be around the person that they, that, that they that they want to be around that are the people that are interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely recall bringing a client to to a rock concert um, and getting the business because they simply liked to be around me. And I brought other clients to hockey games uh, because I I enjoyed it. I knew that they enjoyed it. Uh, bring their kids along. Uh, those are the sorts of genuine networking things that that leads somewhere, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cramming yourself into this box where you think you've got a golf or something. If you hate golf and you're yawning and struggling to get through the, the client outing, uh, you know, those things aren't going to help you. Right. 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 And, and it is so, uh, limiting and confining to think that, you know, we, we have to go do something we don't enjoy doing. And that's the only way we can get, get business and connect with other people. Um, I want to, shift back and talk about word rank and what it is, because I think, um, I think people are going to be curious about what it is. So start with kind of telling us what it is, what it can do for us. And, and, uh, maybe the origin story, how it sort of came about. Sure. So word rank is, a clear and concise editor for lawyers. It runs within Microsoft Word right from the ribbon. It is. It can be part of your drafting workflow, just like running Spellcheck would be part of your drafting workflow. Uh, you click the button, it ripples through your document, making suggestions for how to improve what you've actually written. And it will show its suggestions in the familiar track changes form. And just like track changes, you can accept or reject anything that you like. I love it because it tightens and tones my writing, makes me a lot clearer, uh, adds some punch and pep to my writing, and helps me to focus on serving my readers. I play a little game for myself called Beat the Rake. Uh, So I, I try to write so concisely that word rake doesn't have any suggestions and it only happens I maybe once a month or so but that that constant effort keeps me focused on writing as clearly and concisely as possible which produces documents that my clients want to read understand and and trust Uh, when clients can understand what you've written they actually think that you're smarter uh, I know that lawyers think uh, writing in in gibberish and legalese uh, and putting up this wall between themselves and their clients mm-hmm. makes them seem smarter, but it doesn't. What it really does is make the clients not trust you, and then they get really frustrated when they have to pay you to interpret what you've written. So, so WordRake right. will help you get past that and uh, and to do a 
better, faster job than you'd be able to do on your own. And for $129, it's to me a no-brainer. Right, right. So um, can attorneys use it for other types of writing, like blog writing or book writing or something like that, if they're trying to do things to promote their business? Will it work for them in that sense as well? Definitely. So WordRake started as a legal writing tool uh, at first because our founder, Gary Kinder, uh, was a, he, he taught over a thousand legal writing courses. He was one of the top trainers in the country when he came up with the idea for WordRake. So naturally, you build a product around what you know. But mm-hmm. over time, WordRake has expanded to, to provide editing suggestions for all types of writers. So it will work if you're in marketing. It will work if you, uh, if if you're a blogger. Uh, and in fact, if you're writing for the internet, you have even higher standards for clarity and concision than you would if you were writing for uh, just something that would be read on paper. People right. don't have that tolerance. Things need to be shorter, and WordRick will certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, WordRake also has an add-in for Outlook, so you can uh, you can edit your emails just like you can edit the the rest of your Word documents. Oh wow! And I love that because I would never edit an email otherwise. You know, you 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 spill it out and then you press send. But with WordRake, you can actually improve those emails, reduce the back and forth, and get better results. You can write an email where you're where whoever you're negotiating with wants to say yes, and then you get the quick yes, and then you move on with life. Uh, And that's good for clients. It's good for you. It's good for everybody. Right, right. And I can see people, uh, uh, women law firm owners, using getting this for their teams as well, because some of the things that I have heard some of my clients, um, as as a coach for women lawyers, some of my clients have said, you know, I have this great employee but one of the issues that I'm having is uh, perhaps um, English is somebody's second language. And so while they're proficient in, in English when speaking, sometimes it creates an issue with writing. And so they're looking for some way without having to constantly play teacher and mark up somebody's stuff in red ink. So this might be a great tool for team members that you're trying to help develop professional writing skills, right? Yes, so WordRake will certainly help with that. But if their if their English writing skills are remedial, not mm-hmm. not just less fluent, uh, then WordRake is I'm, I'm sorry to say not going to be the product for that. Yeah, uh, yeah WordRake no, assumes no. that you're a sophisticated writer and that you mostly know what you mean to say. Uh, if you are entirely missing the mark, then you're going to need some additional coaching and 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 then you can use WordRake after that. Yeah. Now, it's good to make that distinction. Um, the, the case I was thinking of was it's somebody who's just not, you know, they're just not professional as professional in writing. And oftentimes there are people who are uh, staff members who might be more, you know, in, in our texting world now, people have kind of gotten a little lazy about how they capitalize and punctuate and all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes I've, I've heard a, a attorney say, well, I've hired this assistant and she just doesn't write professional, you know, like she doesn't punctuate properly or write clearly or something. 
and emails. Yes. So that's kind of what I was thinking is it might be something to run it through that first and improve the, you know. Definitely. So WordRake will help you to write more professionally, get the right tone, all of those things that that you need to compete in today's business world. I know that a lot of people think, oh, well, these standards, they're, they're old school, they're outdated, you know, they're even possibly racist, uh, et cetera. But the world that we live in still requires those standards and you don't change them by simply ignoring them. And WordRake helps to bridge that gap between uh, the people who know that we still need to write in a certain way and to be professional and have the right tone and follow all of our punctuation, grammar, and style rules uh, and with those people who think that language is whatever you make of it. And on one hand, yes, language changes and it, it and it is whatever you make of it. But in the legal world, we don't accept that yet. And you need to play the game that you're actually in and yeah. WordRake will help you do that to the best of your ability, and it will make you clearer and more concise so that you you can be even better than some of the people who think they're playing the game the best. Right. So I want to talk specifically about WordRake for legal writing, because one of the things, being, being a journalism major, like I mentioned, I learned how to write as a journalist. And when you learn to write as a journalist, it's, you know, it's, it's a very clear way to write. Um, because you're trying to attract, you know, your audience and you kind of, uh, we were taught eighth grade level is really what you're writing to when you're writing as a journalist and then going to law school, of course, you still want to write clearly and concisely, but it's going to be more scholarly, let's say. So, uh, there are many different writing styles. And that's one of the things I often discuss with attorneys, you know, when they're blogging, a blog is going to be a different writing style than a legal memorandum. Um, how is it that WordRig is able to sort of deal with the complexity of something like a legal memorandum where, um, where it might require a higher level of writing skill? Can you kind of sure. explain that? Sure. So WordRake is an incredibly sophisticated problem. The engine that runs uh, problem, I'm sorry, program, uh, the engine that runs behind WordRake is based on a series of algorithms. And those algorithms look at the words that you actually use and refer to a dictionary of all of the words in the, uh, in the English language, and then make recommendations based on what you've, what you've said. Um, it's not a simple find and find and replace that can be unsophisticated and clunky and change mm -hmm. things to, to stuff that you didn't mean. So with all of those moving parts, WordRate can actually recognize the type of thing that you are writing and what you essentially mean to say, and then provide suggestions based on that. Uh, so for instance, actually, before I go to the, go to that part, uh, WordRake will recognize legally operative words and phrases, mm. and we try to only change the things that have no place or are in, in uh, legal English or are unnecessary for legal English, and they're just arcane. So, for instance, WordRake will 
delete the the additional here to's. You can say that something is attached. You don't need to say that something is attached here to. There's no point in that. Mm-hmm. So it will leave the attached so that you are uh, bringing in your exhibit or telling people whatever that you need to tell them is attached, but it will get rid of the arcane language of here to. Uh, also with the signatures such as by and through, you don't need the by and through part. You just need the by. And that will indicate that the person signing is signing on behalf of a corporation because corporations aren't people, they can't sign for themselves. Uh, so you do need the the distinction that this human is signing for this corporation, but mm-hmm. you don't need the extra words and WordRake will respect that. Um, the same with, uh, with in order to versus pursuant to. Uh, we don't necessarily need pursuant to. It's not a stronger legally, it's not a stronger or more legally operative phrase right. than, than uh, to. So we can reduce those words and we recognize we recognize those rules and how people use the English language, and we finely tune our our algorithms to to match those needs, and and it only shows up based on what you've written. We don't have some sort of set list of recommendations that we make uh, right. that are that are irrelevant. So if if you're writing a blog post that actually looks like a memo you're probably going to get suggestions that look more like memo suggestions. But if you're writing a blog post that looks like a blog post and has more natural language, then you're going to get suggestions that are more natural and and that are better suited to a blog post. Good, good. Okay. So I know that uh, I can imagine one of the, I'm sure you've heard this and, and had to explain this and deal with it, but I can imagine attorneys saying, well, you know, in something like contract law, you know, well, any legal writing, words are words have meaning. So uh, they have meaning in the legal landscape that they would not normally have to the layperson. And I can see people being fearful of saying, I'm going to use this. I've written this thing. I'm going to use this. And it's going to strip out uh, some key word that I know has to be in here because it's a, you know, it's, it's the law of the land in contract law to use this this language here. Um, have you had people, you know, have fear around that and say, well, I don't know if I want to use this because of that. Uh, yes. I mean, I definitely hear that. So three things, one, Ken Adams, who is drafting, who is contract drafting guru uses word rake. So you can use word rake too. Uh, <laughs> second, we do care about the magic words. That's how I refer to them. And since I've been with WordRig, I've been working to include more of those magic words in our dictionary so that we recognize them faster and don't change them. It's a work in progress, but it's getting better. And if you, if users want to help with that, they can report bad edits saying this shouldn't change because it's a legally operative phrase or oh, magic words. Um, and then finally, WordRig is a collaborator. By providing its changes or its suggested changes in the track changes form, you must go through and accept and reject each of those changes, which means that you need to look at the sentence. You mm-hmm. can't just uh, accept all. There is no accept all button. Yes, there are hacks and ways to work around it, but it's designed so that you participate in the decision-making process. So you are unlikely to accidentally accept something. And if you do accidentally accept something, you can just click undo. All of those features and functionalities that are part of the Microsoft world are part of the WordRake world too. 
Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah, I think that's, that's the way you answered that is wonderful because it's going to help people understand that, you know, you don't have to, uh, it's not like a permanent thing where I've just adopted this, you know, uh, it's not going to magically automatically change everything. And you're going to have to go back and rewrite it because it screwed it up. Um, right. I mean, you see everything right there. Uh, there's yeah. no black box part of WordRake. Uh, it ripples through your document. You see it getting marked up. You can stop it. You can undo it. You can undo anything. You can toggle back and forth. You can rake twice. Um, I mean, it's 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 very interactive, and I think it offers more control than any other writing tool legal or otherwise, that I've ever seen on the market. Oh, can I actually stop for a moment and talk about the uh, the security issues with some of the Absolutely. other tools that people see on the market? Because I, I think a lot of people don't think about that. They just think, oh, well, it's free, and I want a free tool. Uh, and so with that, clearly I'm talking about Grammarly. Mm-hmm. But, but if a tool is free, that means that you're the product, <laughs> and the thing that you're using it on is, is, is what they're selling. So... Uh, you definitely want to you want to think about that when you are running the the commercial version uh, or I'm sorry the, the consumer version of Grammarly. It is tracking every change that you make. It's reading all of your documents so that it can give you your feedback. It knows what you accept and don't accept. It knows what you're typing and adding. All of that information is stored on Grammarly servers and. You really can't do anything about it. The only way that you can delete that information from Grammarly servers is to delete your account and send a request. And there's, as the last time I checked, there was absolutely no purge protocol. So you, even after you've deleted your account, you can't be sure that that the information that Grammarly basically collected from or harvested from your use would be gone in 30 days or 45 days or even a year. There's, they haven't made any promise to you about when that information goes away. And to me, that's an obvious violation of model rule 1.6 that requires you to protect your client confidentiality. Now compare that with WordRake. WordRake collects zero user information. We never read your document. We don't know what you've accepted or not. We create an entire wall. In fact, it's not even part of our functionality to do that. So it's not that we could do it and we choose not to. We literally cannot do it. Your Mm. privacy is protected by design. And it it is the number one thing that we have, uh, that we've chosen as part of our, our company guidelines and our commitment to our users is that we do not collect your data ever. Uh, Wow. So, so you need to care about those things when you're choosing what tools you're going to use when working with your clients and your clients' documents. Yeah, that's that's great to know that the, that WordRake doesn't collect information because I think that's that's one of the you know issues that it's definitely one of the issues that's coming up for lawyers and being discussed with lawyers um, uh, are the use of different tools out there that do collect information and what kind of, uh, you know, what that does to attorney client privilege and confidentiality, you know? Um, right. And it's part of the duty of technology competence, uh, which is model rule 1.1 comment eight, uh, where you must know 
what it is that you're using and what the risks are for what you're using. Uh, so when you use a consumer tool, and especially if it's a free one, you should consider what it is that they're collecting to mm-hmm. make it worthwhile for them to make it free to you. There's always something. Nothing is ever truly free. Right, right. So you have to, uh, uh, and what you say is absolutely true. If something's free, you're you're the product. So, and I think we've all learned that with some big name social media people out there that <laughs> we shall yes. leap remain nameless. Um, if you don't know that, uh, I'm sure someone could tell you. Um, so you're, uh, let's talk about ease of use of this because I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I find frustrating sometimes is I'll hear about a really cool tool or, you know, something that I think, oh, that's really neat. I, that'd be great to help me in my business. And, but I'm not the most, uh, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm fairly tech savvy, but uh, I'm married to a technology consultant and between the two of us, I'm definitely not tech savvy. And I think of things in terms of ease of use. Can, you know, somebody who does not feel they're tech savvy use this tool with ease? Absolutely. So I'm one of those people who, um, I'm tech savvy, but I never read the directions. So (laughs) Yeah, that's me. That's me. I just jump in and say, okay, how does this thing work? So I want things to be intuitive. Right, right. So uh, word break is absolutely intuitive. And for somebody who never reads the directions, it was easy for me to see what was going on. And um, and that was even before I got into the to the legal technology world. I remember that I used this in my practice and and I and I used it every single day. So it is it feels just like running spell check. You go to the tab in in Microsoft Word or an Outlook, and just like you would click the button for running spell check, and then it does it for you, uh, you do the same with WordRake. And and just in case you didn't know, you can actually put those things on the same tab, so you don't have to flip back and forth. But that's for the more tech-savvy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, if you've ever used track changes, which I think most lawyers have, mm-hmm. then you already know how to use WordRake. It was developed in that familiar style so that there wouldn't be a learning curve. It and it's would, easy to install. Oh, yes. Uh, you just click one button, it runs, and, and you install it. There is a license key that, uh, after you buy, that you'll need to copy and paste from an email. But about a month or two ago, I designed some GIFs to actually show you exactly where to put it. Uh, and so it should be even easier now than it was before. Uh we right. do everything that we can to make the user experience as intuitive as possible, but also to provide backup in case it's not intuitive to you. We want to meet you where you are, not wag our fingers about where you should be. Right, right. Do you feel like it's made you a better writer? Definitely. Uh, there are things that I think about now that I never thought about before. And and WordRake, using WordRake every day, discourages me from falling back into those old traps. I also think that there was a point in time where, and WordRake would have gotten rid of that phrase, but uh, there there was a point (laughs) where I had become a worse writer because my imposter syndrome was just getting worse and worse and worse. As I moved up the ranks in law, I put more pressure on myself to be better. And I was even more worried that 
I was undeserving of the opportunities and the accolades. Mm -hmm. And so I lost trust and faith in my own in my own writing abilities. So I started shoehorning in all that legalese and stuff that I had never used before. And it just got worse and worse. Right. Uh, And WordRake saved me from that, you know, never ending death spiral. WordRake reminded me that I could write clearly like I used to, that Mm -hmm. I could write documents that clients and judges actually wanted to read. And now I'm back to doing that. And people regularly comment on how clear my my writing is. Um, and I think that once you switch to an editor like WordRig that will help you with the actual words, you can shift some of your time to creating a better structure uh, mm-hmm. that is, you know, a, a more thoughtful thing that no, no program can help you with. Um, and more structure in your documents and the order that you approach things will matter too. And so now that I have more time for that, mm-hmm. I use I use many more subheadings. I do a lot more introduction of this is about X and I can summarize it like it's a commercial uh, in, in that, in that two line blurb right at the top. And it makes it a lot easier to digest everything else that's in the document uh, so, so yes, word rake will actually help improve those words, but it also frees up time to do things that lawyers probably wouldn't have the time to do because they're just racing to meet the deadline to start or to right. Begin with. Right. So. I'm thinking uh, about law firm owners too. And, uh, a lot of the, um, people listening to this podcast are, law firm owners who are in the building stage of their law firm, and they are maybe creating uh, policy manuals for their own law firm or training materials and things like that. So I can see where it can be useful in just many different ways um, with, with helping to create, to say what it is that you're really looking to say without in a very, in a very clear and direct way. Yes. Um, And I mean, that's the thing about employee manuals. Employees can't follow them if they don't know what they mean. And, and if you rake your employee manual, then you're going to have a clearer document, which employees can actually follow. And I'm going to go ahead and say this, which maybe my boss might hate, but if you're writing an employee manual and you don't think that you're going to use word rake any other time, you can still take a free trial and apply it to your employee manual. Uh-huh. Do that one document. It's okay. We don't mind. Do all the documents. You have seven days. I, yeah. uh, I am more interested in putting better documents out into the world than right. I am, you know, forcing people to spend one hundred and twenty nine dollars here and there. So right. you have a seven day free trial. Use it. Use it on every document that you can. Right. And and you since you brought up the cost, give us an idea of how much it is, so people will be able to put that in perspective. Sure. So the standard version of word rate that you can go online and just buy for yourself and not talk to anybody about is $129 per computer per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have volume discounts. So the more you, the more you buy, the less it costs. Uh, if you decide that you also want the version of WordRake for Outlook, then you can buy the bundle of WordRake for Word and WordRake for Outlook for $129, or I'm sorry, $199 mm-hmm. per computer per year. If you 
buy the three-year version for Word only, it's $259. And for Word and Outlook, it is $399. If you are buying for a firm, then you really need about 10 people for a three-year term to get to our enterprise threshold. And that enterprise threshold is $3,500, at least for 2021. We recognize that COVID is tough for people. Um, And the benefit of enterprise, uh, there are lots of benefits of enterprise, but the number one one is that it cuts all of the administrative burden of having a of having a tool. Uh, mm-hmm. It's keyless license activation, uh, which means you don't have to keep track of a bunch of license keys. You don't have to go from computer to computer, uh, putting the license key on and and then checking where it went. Uh, when there's an update, you can just push the update out to everybody. It it doesn't uh, it doesn't require your involvement. And if you say are running your own firm and you don't have in-house IT and you wouldn't really even know where to start to keep track of those sorts of things, then you definitely want to get up to the enterprise level uh, so that you don't have to worry about that stuff. The other nice thing about enterprise is that it is per user licensing, not per computer licensing. Mm -hmm. So if you have a laptop at home and a desktop uh, as Davina, the only... uh, we just count Davina as one user and it doesn't matter if Davina has five computers uh, when, when we're at the enterprise level. So it can actually save you money if your firm is the sort of firm where people have several different computers. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Davina does have several different computers. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, that's, so, you know, when you're looking at what it can do for you in improving your communication um, ability, and also maybe the ability of some people on your staff. Um, it really has, it sounds like it has a great return on investment, then, especially for, it's kind of a nominal investment when you're, when you're looking at, you know, the big scheme of things, running your practice. And um, that's absolutely true. I think, um, and people really do find the value in it. Uh, 98% of our enterprise customers renew. So to me, that shows that they're happy with their choice and and they do believe in the value of WordRake. Mm-hmm. We also right. have a money back guarantee. So if you buy and you don't like it, we'll give you the money. We'll credit you for the yeah. portion that you didn't use. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Well, thanks so much for being here today and sharing this with us because I think a lot of people get a lot of benefit. And I also think um, many of our listeners, most of our listeners are really going to be interested in hearing your story and your journey. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, and so tell us how we can find out more about WordBreak and where we can reach out and connect with you if, if that's what we want to do. Sure. So you can learn more at, about WordRake at www.wordrake.com. That's word like the words that you write and rake like you rake leaves. So wordrake.com. And you can find me at IVG at wordrake.com. That's I, V as in Victor, Y, G as in Gray at wordrake.com. I'm also incredibly active on Twitter uh, and I'm IVB Gray uh, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. All right. Wonderful. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for being here. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. I had a really good time. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. If you have, we invite you to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. The more five-star reviews we have, the more women law firm owners will be able to positively impact. 
Your thoughts and opinions are so important to us. If you are a woman law firm owner who wants to scale your law firm to a million dollars or more in gross annual revenue and do it in a way that's sustainable and feels good to you, then we invite you to join us in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. The League is a community of highly intelligent, goal-oriented, and driven women law firm owners who are excited to support one another on their journeys to becoming wealthy women lawyers. We'll be sharing so much in the League in the coming year, including the exclusive million-dollar law firm framework that until now, I've only shared with my private one-to-one clients. For more information and to join us, go now to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash league. That's www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash league. League is spelled L-E-A-G-U-E. We look forward to seeing you soon in the league.